I'm grateful this morning as we uh, step out of our Galatians study, we are stepping into a new series today that we are entitled, entitling Everyday Disciple. And we are beginning to understand what it means to live our lives as disciples of Jesus in an everyday context. Because we all step into this relationship with, with Christ and we tend to think that that's all there is to it. And the reality is there is so much more that we are being called to. See, every one of us at some point in our lives desires to make an impact. I don't know about you, but for me it was when I was young. I can remember growing up and like every other kid, being inspired by first responders, by police and firemen and women and, and by those who served in the military. I was inspired by those people. I thought, oh, I want to be like that when I grow up. I was inspired by science, you know, you, 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 the, the planets and, you know, astronauts and astronomers and doctors and nurses and those who discover new ways to care for the environment and come up with all these crazy inventions. My, one, of, one of Micah, my son Micah and I's <clears throat> favorite pastimes is watching Shark Tank because we love watching you know, inventions and the business aspect of, you know, innovation. But we're inspired by people. We're inspired by athletes and, you know, government officials and politicians and teachers and pastors. And we see all these people when we're young and we say, I want to be like that. And then we come to a place sometimes later in life where we're inspired differently. Maybe you're still saying, I don't know what I want to do when I grow up, but I'm figuring it out. But sometimes it's a compelling cause. It's something that inspires us, and I, we say, I want, to, I want to do something. I want to challenge myself in an area. I want to grow. I want to be pushed outside my comfort zone. Maybe it's a missionary who comes to church and shares what God is doing in another part of the country, and we go, whoa, this is so cool. How can I make an impact? Perhaps it's a short-term missions trip that opens our eyes to the needs outside of our country, to the needs that exist in other cultures, and, and maybe we see how blessed we truly are as Americans we, when we, we stop taking for granted some of the things that we do. Gretchen and I and our daughter Leah went to a Phil Wickham concert a few weeks, a number of weeks back, and it was, you know, these different uh, worship artists, and it was basically just a massive worship fest. It was awesome. We were like, this is so cool. And uh, we were there, and, and uh, they gave the invitation to uh, sponsor Compassion International Child. And we felt this tug, this desire to make an impact. This desire, they had, a, they had actually had a kid who was a Compassion International kid who had been sponsored and who had come to the States and had received a master's degree and done all this stuff, and you're just like, whoa! And so we adopted little Rio, and we spo were sponsoring Rio and, and uh, desiring to make an impact in this young man's life. But the reality is we, we often wait for what I like to commonly refer to as our cloud opening, sun shining down, choir singing, booming voice of God moment. Where we say, if God just shows up like that, then I'll know what I need to do with my life. Or maybe you're not like me, 
and you have way greater faith. And you're like Moses, and you just say, I just need a burning bush to talk to me, and that'll be enough. I don't need the booming, you know, choir. Just, just, just a burning bush. But when we make the decision to step into relationship with Jesus, everything has to change. Because the truth is, God has created each of us with a purpose. See, he's given us the perfect example in Jesus of what it looks like to truly follow God. And he's called us to go daily to the exact space and context in which he's placed us. See, where you are now, where God has placed you, is, is not accidental. It's not a, whoa, I don't, you know, I don't know how I got here. God has placed you exactly where you are for such a time as this, as we see in the book of Esther. See, when we make the decision to move beyond our desires in life, Jesus invites us to become his disciples. He invites us into this relationship. And in accepting the invitation Jesus gives to follow him with our whole heart, we need to embrace a true disciple is called to call others. See, it's not enough for us just to follow Jesus and look like him. We need to do the same things that he did. And so this morning, we're going to look at a couple passages in the book of Matthew in understanding what Jesus' call to his disciples and his call to us look like. And so if you have your Bibles, you can open them to Matthew chapter 4. And you can stick your finger there and then flip a few pages back beyond that to Matthew chapter 28 and stick another finger there. And so you should have two fingers sticking into your Bible and we will get there in a moment. If you are not using your Bible this morning or you're using the Version Bible app, you can use one finger. You don't need two. And you can just navigate there and we'll get there in just a moment. But naturally, as we begin this journey into becoming everyday disciples, we need to answer the question, what does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to be a disciple? Because if we don't understand that, then there's really no purpose in us pursuing it. See, the word disciple, as defined by Webster's dictionary, defines Disciple as one who accepts and assists in the spreading of the doctrines of another. One who accepts and assists in spreading the doctrines of another. See, there's disciples all over the place. You don't have to look very far to find teachers and disciples. Whatever we're allowing to be invested in our lives, we're a disciple of. We have teachers in schools who are discipling our children. We have people that we work for in our jobs who are discipling us in a way that we are to work. There's disciples all over in our lives. But can you remember the first time you became a disciple? I can remember. I remember the first time my dad said, okay, Dan, we're going to go out and we're going to mow the lawn. I was like, yes, yes. I get to operate machinery. This is going to be amazing. We didn't have one of those little walk-behind thing with the blades. Ours, you know, had the... Anyways, yeah. 
I thought this was the biggest piece of machinery that I would ever utilize in life. And so we go out, and my dad takes out the mower, and he says, okay, here's the deal. You've got to prime it here, and then you've got to pull this thing here, and you've got to hold this in, and, and then once it gets going, you've got to, and then we walk behind, and we do this, and we make the lines, and it's all great. But I can remember that, and, and, and perhaps for you it was something like that, mowing the lawn or learning to cut somebody's hair or doing a chore. Or this is how you do the dishes. You, you get the, the soapy water in here, and you get the clean water in here, and you scrub it, and then you dunk it, and then you, you know, right? We were all a disciple of something, most of it probably so that our parents could give us a chore and then not have to do it anymore. It's beautiful. And now I pass that privilege on to our kids. But I can remember it, and I remember it like it was yesterday. My dad would say, watch me do it, and then I want to show you how to do it, and then I'm going to watch you do it, and then I want you to do it on your own. And it was this process of, of learning and understanding and, and, and embracing and grasping how we become more like that. You know, I, I, when I was in college, I... I worked throughout college, different jobs, and one of my favorite jobs was I got to work for a, um, a company called Meguiar's, and you may have some of Meguiar's products in your garage. Uh, it's a car wax company, and they make waxes and, you know, little things that you use to care for your, for your car and make it all shiny and nice. I worked for Meguiar's, and it was, a, it was a fun job because we got to go to car shows and do all this stuff, but, but my, my job was I was a customer care agent and surface care specialist yeah i don't know why more of you aren't impressed by that but uh i was a surface care specialist so mcguire's had about 120 different products ranging from like quick detailer spray that you just clean up your car with to waxes and polishes and cleaners and all this stuff and we had to study all of these products to understand what was in them, to what they did, to we, we became surface care specialists. We were experts on these products and how to care for your vehicle and its paint and make it look great. Because inevitably somebody would call up and say, I'm using your, your clear coat body scrub and it is not sudsing. And I'm very frustrated right now. And we would have, a, have to very nicely say, well, sir or ma'am, um, clear coat body scrub is not a car wash shampoo. It is a paint cleaner, so it will never suds because you're not supposed to put it in water. You're just supposed to take it and apply it like you would a wax and then wipe it right off, and it preps your paint to be polished and waxed. Oh, let me send you some car wash shampoo, and that will suds for you. So that was what we did. And it was an amazing job, but it took hours of learning to get to a place where I could be called a surface care specialist. And that's the journey of becoming a disciple, is understanding that we have to walk with Jesus daily. See, we often tend to look at the call to become disciples or followers of Jesus as some transformational experience of us pursuing him. I'm going to run after God, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to go, and, and Jesus, I want to be your disciple. 
But that's not actually what we see in Scripture at all. The reality is in early Matthew, we read the story of Jesus calling his disciples. Jesus does the calling. Jesus does the pursuing. And later at the end of Matthew's Gospel, we see Jesus sending his disciples. It's this amazing bookended journey of walking together. And today we'll look at Jesus' two directives to his disciples and discover how God's call to us and his purpose for our lives has not changed. It's the same as it was the day that he called his disciples. The first thing that he said to his disciples was come. Come, follow me. Three of the most simple words that he could ever say. So let's pick it up in Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 18. It says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Immediately. This is an amazing picture. Jesus is walking along the beach, and he sees these men, and he says, Come, follow me. Three simple words. Come, follow me. And it's curious. He then says, And I'll send you out to fish for people. Kind of a weird thing to say. Wouldn't you think? I mean, I can remember when I was a kid, I was like six years old, and we went to the trout farm with my mom and dad and my three brothers, and we're out there, and, you know, I'm thinking I'm just this incredible angler, because I knew what an angler was when I was six, and I'm casting out, and I'm pulling in fish like it's going out of style, because I'm just an amazing fisherman, and at one point, my buddy casts his, his fishing line out, and the hook goes out, and it whips back, and it catches me in the thumb, and grabs hold, and I screamed like a little girl, and it wasn't pleasant. And my dad had to get the little things out of the tackle box. And, but, you know, it was just wonderful. I thought I was going to die. That's not the picture we're, <laughs> we're talking about here when we fish for people. Jesus is foreshadowing the fact that they're going to go out and minister and serve people. That they're going to love people. And he uses a symbolism that they're familiar with. They're fishermen, for crying out loud. So he uses a symbolism of fishing. He explains that they're going to be reaching people for the kingdom of God. See, it's important to notice that Jesus calls the disciples before his ministry has even begun. He's just beginning his ministry, and he calls his disciples then. That's when he says, let's go. Let's go. Come, follow me. And he's calling them to be outwardly focused. To focus on others. To focus on on what it means to love people. 
as the, as the Lexham Bible Dictionary notes, in the New Testament, disciples do not seek out Jesus. Rather, they answer when he calls them. See, the pursuit was Jesus pursuing them, not them pursuing him. He calls them, and they answer. So a disciple in the biblical context is someone who first and foremost has been called by Jesus. And the amazing thing is that similarly, the Spirit of God is calling each of us to that place of relationship. He's calling us to follow Him to a daily journey together. And when we step into relationship, we have to ask the question, are we truly answering His call to come follow? Are we really willing to step into that? Because if we've made the decision to follow Jesus with our whole heart, there should be evidence. There should be an evidence to that person to whom we're following. See, Jesus' invitation to his disciples was simple. Come follow me. But the implications of the decision to follow were so much greater than that. Why? Because it would cost them everything. The reality remains that when you answer the call to follow Jesus, it has to be fully and completely. Right, the picture that we see of these, of these men is, is Jesus says, come and follow me. Did you see them in Scripture grab their nets, throw them over their shoulders and say, yep, we're with you? No. The Scripture says very succinctly, they dropped their nets and they followed Him. They left everything. This was their livelihood. This was their, 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 their job. This was their life. And they left it to follow him. And our response to Jesus has to be the same. There is no halfway following Jesus. Like, oh, I'll follow you this day, but God, you know, Wednesdays are kind of full. I just don't know if I can. No, it's, it's fully and completely. See, we oftentimes want to have this kind of picket fence Christianity. We like to, you know, have it be all nice and tidy and kempt and pretty. Author Brett McCracken writes in his book, Uncomfortable, following Christ is not one's golden ticket to a white picket fence American dream. It's an invitation to die, to pick up a cross. That's a little different picture than we like to think about when we make this decision to follow Jesus. Oh, it's going to be great. It's all going to be skipping and it's going to be happy and it's, yeah, it's going to be like a little, you know, song that just follows me wherever I go. But that's not the picture. Similarly, C.S. Lewis writes, I didn't go to religion to make me happy. I always knew a bottle of port would do that. In case you don't know what port is, it's beer. If you want a religion to make you feel really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. See, what McCracken and Lewis are both getting at is that it's easy to find basic happiness and comfort. But living the Christian life and being part of a church community requires making sacrifices 
that may feel uncomfortable at times, but ultimately help us become more like Jesus. See, Jesus didn't walk into the comfortable. Jesus didn't step into the right relationships and hang out with the, with the right people and engage all the scholars and the theologians of the day and dialogue and, and, and embrace them in relationship. No, he hung out with the people that he wasn't supposed to be hanging out with. He hung out with the people who everybody looked down on and said, you can't be with them. They represent the most horrible things that exist in society. And that's who Jesus went to. See, this trade-off of Christianity, it's, it's tough when we say yes to following Jesus, but it's always worth it. Jesus tells us what it will cost to follow him. It'll cost us our lives. But we grow by leaving our comfort zones and entering into the challenges and discomforts of our faith. Because that's what Jesus did. It wasn't comfortable, it wasn't easy, but it was the purpose of his Father. To seek and save who? Okay, that was pitiful. Thank you. Jesus' mission was simple, to seek and to save the lost. Instead of avoiding this truth, that we are called to the same thing. We should embrace it and press into the joy of dying to ourselves daily and living for God and for our neighbors, for those people that God call, has called us to. Can you imagine what could happen in our homes, our workplaces, our schools, our church community, our neighborhoods, if every one of us made the decision to fully step into Jesus' invitation to come and follow him? What would that look like? I mean, can you imagine the multiplication of the impact of Jesus in our community in this world? It would change everything. So Jesus calls us to come and follow me. But then he says this, go. Go make disciples. Go make disciples. In Matthew chapter 28, grab your other finger and flip there. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when he saw them, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Go and make disciples. See, in Matthew 28, the 11 disciples of Jesus had, had gathered on the mountain. This was, this was you know, following the ministry that, that Jesus had done and the Bible says they had gathered to worship him. They gathered to worship. Here's the risen Savior. And they gathered to worship the person they've been following. See, Jesus' mission was simple. In Luke 19, he said, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So, what does it look like to seek and save the lost? to go 
and make disciples. It's not complicated. But we love to complicate the gospel. Well, if we do this, if we sing this one song, and if we you know, go and do this thing, and if we, if we make it really, really great and super attractive, and if we send out flyers, and if we do postcards, and if we do all these crazy things with our hands, people will get excited about it. See, I can see you guys are already getting excited. We overcomplicate the gospel. And Jesus just said, now go. Go and make disciples. Go and make followers of me. So it begs the question, who are you spending your time with? Believers or non-believers? Who are you hanging out with? Because I can tell you right now, Jesus was not hanging out with the churchy people. Read the gospel. They weren't churchy. They were searching. They were trying to find hope. They were trying to find purpose. And Jesus came to them with hope and purpose and peace and love. So who are you spending your time with? Who, think about that, who Jesus spent his time with. Who's on your prayer list? Do you have a prayer list? Are you actively praying for people? Are you actively praying for your family, for your friends, for people who don't know Jesus yet? Are you praying for those opportunities, for those open doors, for God to say, I want you to be the one to carry my love and my message to them? Who have you purposefully pursued in relationship and community? Who have you actively reached out to and said, I want to do coffee. Hey, do you have time for lunch? Hey, I want to, I want to hear your story. I, wonder, I want to understand what's going on in your life. Are you actively praying for the Spirit of God to give you an opportunity to share His love? Because too often we just wake up and we go, okay, God, just let it be a good day. And we don't really believe beyond that. Let it not be hard today. Are you actively praying for the Spirit of God to give you an opportunity to share His love with, with a family member, with a coworker, with a classmate, with a neighbor? See, there was no ambiguity in Jesus' final directive to His followers. And there's really no reason we should be confused about how it is we're called to live our lives. Come and follow me. Go and make disciples. We, we're, we're either actively leading people into a relationship with Jesus or we're not. There is no in-between. I'm sorry. But we're either discipling people or we aren't. And I'm speaking to myself. See, the truth is you can be a disciple of anything. You truly can. Whatever has the greatest place in your life is that to which you will be a disciple. It might be your job. It might be your family. It might be your finances, your retirement, your hobby, your whatever. But whatever you are giving the most time to, whatever you are giving priority to, that is what you will be a disciple of. 
So what or who is that that has the greatest influence in your life? Something we have to think about. Just because someone says they're a Christian doesn't mean they're an actual disciple of Jesus. Do you realize that? Because there's two parts. Come and follow when we come into relationship with Jesus. And then go and make disciples. That's the part we sometimes forget. So is your worldview centered on Jesus to the point that he is first in everything? Because Luke 14 is, is pretty clear. Luke 14, 26. This is what Jesus says. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. That means we have to lay everything down. That means your kid cannot be more important to you than your relationship with God. It means your relationship with your mom or your dad cannot take precedence over your relationship with him. It means that your job cannot take priority over stepping in to what God is calling you to do. So are you sitting at the feet of Jesus and learning from him? Are you spending time understanding and knowing what God is desiring for you? Are you in turn telling others about Jesus? Or are we too afraid that they're going to be offended? Who or what is your master? What are you allowing yourself to be controlled by? Because when we have truly committed ourselves to following Jesus with our whole hearts, it will be evidenced in the way in which we prioritize time spent pointing people to him. As the worship team comes back, I want to ask you this. This is a rhetorical, so just bear with me. Why is it that we spend all of our time trying to look and sound like Jesus, but we forget we've been called to seek and serve those who don't know him? Did you hear me? Why is it that we try, desperately try, to look like Christians, to sound like Christians, to say all the right things, to do all the right things, to be all the right things, and we forget that he's called us to go? See, I'm inspired every day by people who understand what it truly means to love people. There's people out there that are loving people way better than I do. And I'm inspired to do better. I'm inspired by you, <laughs> by our church community that, that loves people, that desires relationship, that comes into community, that encourages one another, prays together. Community that understands that truly following Jesus does not begin and end on Sunday morning goes outside the walls of the church inspired by you I'm very grateful for the friendships we've shared with people in this congregation people outside the walls of this church over the years and they're numerous we've shared friendship Gretchen and I with 
with a, a couple who is a part of this church, James and Crystal Dufour. Many of you know them. We've gotten to spend a lot of time with them over the years, and they inspire me. The time we spent at Oak Creek Christian Center, the time we've spent here at Neighbor Church, they inspire me every day. See, my heart has always been and continues to be to find ways to connect neighborhood church to our community in deeper ways. And, and Crystal and James, if you know them very well, they, they own Awesome Dufour Funeral Home. But they're so much more than business owners. They're active in community involvement. They've, in, they've inspired me to pursue a similar involvement in our community. I'm always looking for opportunities to stretch the, the reach of neighborhood church outside of this place. And so Crystal's inspired a, us to enter into membership in the Chamber of Commerce as a church, and we have over the last few months. It's crazy. In the first couple months of becoming members of the Chamber, this amazing network of businesses and leaders across the community, I was given the privilege this past week to, to pray over the membership meeting, to give the invocation over here at Knife River at the training center. All these business owners and leaders and and I step up there to pray, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm, I'm amazed that they want, they want to pray. And we were able to pray, and, and we, were, we were able to come together as a community of people praying and believing for Uvalde, Texas, and for Rob Elementary, and for all these things that are going on in our world and in our community, and believing that God is the answer and that unity comes through a shared love and understanding of who Jesus is. See, if we're paying attention, God is opening doors every day for us to step into his plan and purpose if we're willing to answer his call to be those who call others. Come and follow me and then go and make disciples. See, Jesus is calling to each of us. And if we're willing to answer his call, then we have to be willing to step outside. This morning, I ask you to stand to your feet as we prepare to close. And would you pray with me? Father God, we love you and we are so grateful that you've called us to yourself, that you've called us to relationship, that you've given us the privilege to be called your followers. You've given us the ability to model what it looks like to walk with Jesus. And so we answer that call to come and, and follow you. And, and we ask, Lord, that you give us the courage. You give us the wisdom. You give us the understanding so that we can step outside of ourselves to reach our community. So that we can come into a place where we begin to impact people for your glory, not our own. That you would allow us to get uncomfortable to engage those people that we never would have. But because we see them through a different lens, because we see them through your eyes, we desire that your love be felt in them. Father, let us be those that go. Let us be those that step outside the walls of the church, that step outside of our comfort zone, that step outside of what makes sense. to care enough to share your love. 
We need your help, God. We don't want to just look like Jesus. We want to act like Jesus. We want to love like Jesus. And we need your help. You know, perhaps this morning you find yourself in a place, whether you're here in the house or you're tuning in online, you're saying, this all sounds great, but I've, I've, I've never come to the place of saying yes to following Jesus with my whole heart. And perhaps for you today, you're hearing that voice saying, come follow me. Come, follow me. And if that's you today, we want to give you the opportunity to step into relationship with Jesus, understanding that it's a decision that each and every one of us has to make. And so if that's you this morning and you're in this place, you're tuning in online, we want to say this prayer with you. And we believe that the Bible says in Romans, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so today, if that's you, we invite you to say this prayer with us, believing that God has a plan for your life church can we say this together say father god please forgive me i've sinned and i've made a lot of mistakes i believe your son jesus christ came to this earth to show me how to live and he died and was raised back to life so that i could have a relationship with you i ask you today to come into my heart to be the Lord of my life. Change the things in me I can't change as I choose to live for you today. In Jesus' name, amen.